Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey Blackburn. I'm your host. And joining me are co-host Emily Schiltz. Emily, you doing all right? I'm doing really well today. Way better than all right. Way better. Way better. You know why? Why? Because it's Christmas it's season Christmas officially. Christmas season. Even though it's been Christmas season at the Blackburn household since early November. True. And us mid-November. And you guys mid-November because yep. after all, we are thankful for so Christmas. thankful for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. My uh, mother-in-law walked into our house when she, like they, they were driving from Green Bay, came to our house to spend the night before they went back to our hometown. And uh, she walked in and I was like, it's Christmas. And she was like, I see that. <laughs> so I don't think she was okay. as excited. <laughs> it's funny how that's a kind of a polarizing thing. Like you either are totally in that realm or you're not, it feels like. Right. You're like, and if you're not, you're very judgmental about it. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> you should wait. Right. Wait. People have very strong feelings very about strong decorating feelings. before Thanksgiving. And all I'm saying is that Jesus is more important than the pilgrims. Amen. That's my stance. <laughs> We can end the podcast right now. Jesus is more important than pilgrims. And I'm not, (laughs) I am not, you know, in any way discrediting the pilgrims for what they have done to establish this nation for us and this land. Thank you, pilgrims and Indians, for getting along and breaking bread and eating corn Mm -hmm. and turkey together. (laughs) We appreciate that. But Jesus, hello. But Jesus. Come on, but Jesus. Yes. My preacher's going to start coming out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're getting in the spirit of Christmas for sure. Yes. And uh, well, I'm not sure what you guys do. How do you guys kind of get in the spirit of things for Christmas? Yeah, I think um, a lot of it has to do with just intentional conversation. Mm. Uh, not to take us to like a serious man, point you right just away. you really but took that I, serious. No, I just really did. I just want to be intentional with my conversation because <laughs> you never know if you have tomorrow. You suck the air out of the room. Right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, but even as like we were talking about um, like Advent, I think in the past mm-hmm. I've been um, really, really apt to like make it more activity based. So like, hey, mm-hmm. let's today go do this. And um, I think especially this year, we're just feeling this, uh, I think heaviness, but in a good way to mm-hmm. really prepare our hearts for what Christmas is and mm-hmm. um even just outside of like, yes, doing an Advent study together and things like that, but like genuinely, how do we serve our neighbors in this season and how do we continually point people yeah. back to um, what does, why do we celebrate Christmas and yeah. why is the, why is this such a celebratory thing outside of our beautiful Christmas tree and all that? Right, right. But um, yeah, I think Kent and I, I mean, we're still trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not new. I mean, I guess we are kind of still newlyweds. We're about five and a half years into this, but right. still just trying to figure out um, what do traditions and things look like. But um, I think at the end of the day, we're just trying to, yes, still have so much joy about what Christmas <laughs> is, but um, I think not not being so excited that we like miss. Yeah. Yeah. Miss the heart behind Christmas. Does that yeah, make sense? Absolutely. That makes so much sense. Well, I think as you, you know, I have a four-year-old and a five-year-old right now. And as you have kids, you start thinking, wait a minute, like, what do we want to instill in our kids about right. this holiday? Right. Like, how do we help to shape and frame these young minds to help them understand what this is really all about? And without like robbing them of the the mystery and intrigue and what feels like, you know, a magical type 
season, how do we help to like leave that in everything? Yeah. But also, you know, to to instill the the greater purposes, the greater reason behind Christmas, yeah. you know, the reason for the season, so to speak. Right. There's a contention of that in our household right now. Okay. Tell because, me more. Because <laughs> um, without my consent, Uh-oh. you're noting the sarcasm right now. You're, no, you're noting all of the, yes. I need, you can't see my face if you're a listener. So you don't, I don't think, I don't want you to think that I'm really hostile about this, but. <laughs> We're laughing. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> without my consent, my beautiful wife told our kids that Santa doesn't exist. Okay. All right. Whoo. <laughs> and I was like, wait, you just, hold on. You told them that Santa doesn't exist. <laughs> And I loved like her reasoning for it. She was like, well, yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> and I was like. But so you found out Santa she, didn't exist this I, year I, Pretty too. much. I think so. I think <laughs> I found out that Santa does not exist. Uh, no, I was like, but what about all of the like magical parts of Christmas and the mystery and the yeah. fun? And like, because growing up, you know, my parents definitely, you know, eventually had that conversation with us. Right. And we figured it out eventually. Can right? you, but, I just really love this story. Can you tell me how you actually <laughs> found out that Santa was not real? Okay. So yeah, before I tell you that, you got to know that my mom was one of those that had the calendar that would like, you would move the little mouse in the pouches all the way down the calendar oh, yeah, yeah. every single time, you know, every yeah, single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The countdown for Christmas, but like the calendar is like countdown for when Santa's coming. So there's all, okay. and we read, we read the night before Christmas before, mm-hmm. you know, we also read the, the Luke chapter two and the Bible story before Christmas, but we read the night before Christmas. And yes. there's just the, we leave cookies out. My mom does now still for the grandkids, she does like the 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 reindeer food and all oh, of that. Cute. Right? So yes. So there's definitely there was this like, hey guys, we know the real reason, but the, there's just fun in this yeah. whole deal. So we were driving from Birmingham where I was living <laughs> it's so to Indianapolis for Christmas. And I was about I think five, five or six, something like that. <laughs> and my our travel food is Twizzlers. And so right. every Naturally. all the time. Yeah, yeah. We go as a family, that's what our travel food is. And so we had a bunch of like presents in the back seat or in the back of the van. Mm-hmm. And I was in the back seat. My mom goes, Davey, will you go get the Twizzlers that are in the back and pass them forward? We're <laughs> driving down the interstate. And so I start rummaging through the back to try to find these Twizzlers at five or six or something like that. <laughs> and I see a present that says to Davey from Santa. Now, keep in mind, it was like December 23rd or something. Right. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> it was like this glass shattering moment. You know, like where the frame of a movie, like everything zooms into the face <laughs> and it's like the, the background kind of zooms in. And you're like, I feel oh. like I'm there right <laughs> now. <laughs> and it was like, what happened? And it was a verification to me that there is no way that Santa was yeah. real because now... I knew where the presents came from. And my mom tried to gloss over and like, no, Santa knew that we were going up early for, and she's fumbling over her words. And I'm like, I knew it. I you know? knew it. Oh. So I definitely had a disappointing moment. And I think Christy is trying to spare our kids from that disappointing yeah. moment. But the reality is, is what she has done. And I love this. I respect this. I, is that she's like, hey, I don't want to grow our kids up in falsehood because I don't want them to then attach that to Jesus and their faith. Like yeah. where it's like, wait a minute, you told us the Santa Claus and the Easter bunny were real and they're right. not, and the tooth fairy and they're not. Yeah. You've also been telling us our whole life that Jesus is real. What does this look like? Where does like? he fit? Yeah. So when she said that to me, I was like, okay, Trump card. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's fine. Kid, Santa's not real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we still are able to have some fun with that and do all that. So that's good. It is fun. Sorry. That was a really long involved it's fine. process. It was worth but, it. I, I really love that But story. back to your serious note. Yes. You prepare your heart for Christmas. <laughs> prepare your heart for Christmas. Yeah, because of the real reason for it. I and I I love that I love what you guys are doing to do that. 
And um, and and I feel really challenged to do the same thing, <laughs> <laughs> to prepare our heart in the right way for Christmas. We have a fantastic interview. Um, actually, this is going to be in two parts. Yeah, which is really cool because we were not able to get through everything. And I love that. what's fun about this interview is it, it's four of us sitting down and talking. It's mm. Christy and myself talking to a couple who have gone through a very similar tragedy, and yeah. then um, then you know he lost his wife. He ends up remarrying. At the time, he lost his wife. He had four kids, wow. and they were very young. And then he remarries. And so we sat down with Pastor Gary Stump, who's local here in Indianapolis, and his wife, Kathy. Mm-hmm. And um, they're like 30 years into the process wow. of, you know, after their remarriage. And mm-hmm. and they've raised these kids now. And she, as kind of their stepmom, has raised these kids. Just an incredible, incredible testimony, incredible story. That's we were awesome. not able to squeeze it into one episode. Yeah, of course So not. <laughs> we were like, let's let's keep talking about this. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think at one point we, we like were off air and we like had the microphones away from us all and we kept talking about things. And I look over at our audio engineer and I'm like, press record, press record, <laughs> because it was such rich conversation. We could have talked for hours and hours yeah. and hours, but I'm so excited for you guys to experience part one of this interview with, with Gary and Kathy Stump. It's going to be an incredible one. Yeah, for sure. Before we hop into that interview, um, just want to share with you guys, our listeners, ways that you can be involved in the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. And I'm going to gleam over these really quickly. And then if you have any questions about any of these ways to get involved, um, of course, you can always email us at hello at resonateindy.com. But four ways you can be involved in the podcast is to pray for it, for the interviews that we're going to have, um, that Jesus would just continue to further this ministry uh, for His glory. Um, you can rate and review the podcast. You can share the podcast with your friends and family mm-hmm. on social media, whatever that looks like for you. And then you can also financially give um, to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast at resonateindy.com slash give. That's so good. Let me highlight the share feature yes. because I've had... I've heard so many people say, and they've messaged in, hey, I share this podcast with people that I know who mm-hmm. are going through a tough time. And man, that right there is the reason we do this. Yes. Like it, like that, when I hear that, I'm like, yes. Yeah. People are, they have a resource that they know how to go to. Sometimes you have no idea where to point people to. Mm-hmm. And we just want to provide a resource where there can be hope and healing through your headphones. So yeah. thank you for sharing. Continue for sure. to do that. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Hey, actually, I want to share your story really quick. Yeah. It, it has less to do with sharing and more about stumbling upon the podcast. Yeah. But um, maybe about a month ago at church, um, we had a, a couple that were first time guests mm-hmm. and have now been listening to the podcast. So you know who you are. If this is you. <laughs> um, but newlyweds and um, she was recently diagnosed with um, an illness Mm. and was back in surgery Um, and her husband is just like looking for um, hope of some kind and literally stumbles across the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Um, So how timely is it that this couple literally had hope in their headphones in a time where he was really uncertain about how his wife would be right. after this surgery. Um, Correct me if it's while she was in surgery, right? Like yeah. While he's in the waiting room. Yes. That's what I, yeah. Yeah, that's what <sighs> I've heard, at least. Wow. So my mom had their first time guest conversation, but um, have just been really encouraged by that, that Jesus's timing is yes. the perfect timing. Yeah. Um, and now in the recovery side of things that they've been able to come to resonate and join us um, and continue to listen to this podcast. Amazing. So if that doesn't encourage you today, guys, I don't know what will. <laughs> well, actually I do because it will be this podcast. It will be this interview right here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's take a listen to my interview with Gary and Kathy Stump.
Gary, Kathy, great to have you guys on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. We also have a great special guest because I wanted to bring in my beautiful wife, Christy. Hey, guys. On this conversation. I thought it would be really fun for us to sit down and have a conversation, uh, the four of us, because, Gary, we sat down a couple weeks ago, had a conversation at the Well Coffee Shop up in Fishers. Yes. And, uh, and, and, you know, I had... I was familiar with you and your story for a long time. Um, in fact, um, the 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 way that I was first introduced to you was as we were leaving the um, the graveside of Amanda, and we were um, at a Zaxby's. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure who I ran into. I don't know because everything Sarah, was so. Our daughter, Sarah. It was your daughter. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought yes. it maybe was. Mm-hmm. And she handed me a card with your information and said, hey, here's... And I was so cloudy and foggy from everything, I just kind of tucked it away. Right. And then providentially, I think in the moment that I needed it personally with encouragement, mm-hmm. uh, we, we ended up getting connected from a mutual friend and sat down and had a conversation. I was like, man, we've got to have a conversation <laughs> together on That's the podcast. Great. So we're really excited to have you guys here. This is really, really awesome. It's our joy. Always glad to talk about what God's done in our lives for sure. Yeah. Maybe. And you guys do have an incredible story. Um, one that the benefit that we have with having you guys here is one that it's it's um it's a longer story now. You guys have walked through with mm-hmm. some years this story, mm-hmm. and I love sitting down having conversations with people who have some wisdom and experience, and who are a lot further along in the journey than we are. We need it, and we definitely <laughs> need it. And so I love first of all for you guys to just kind of begin. Let's start back. Um, Gary, before your first wife passed away, and give us right. a little bit of context as to your story and kind of walk us up to as, as much as you possibly can, and then we'll dive in deeper. Walk us up to where we are present day. For sure. I, I grew up um, here in Indianapolis uh, until I was in the fifth grade. Then we moved down to Brown County, down <laughs> Nashville, Indiana. I moved on to a, um, 21 acres in a log cabin with mom and dad and my sister Roseanne. And and uh, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven as a 10-year-old boy. That's right. It's God's country. Down there, there for sure. Yet. And um, I was always engaged in going to church and enjoyed going to mm. church. And I was a big God guy. Mm. I was a fan and enjoyed church. And uh, I got older, married my wife, Donna, in 1974. And it was about a year after we got married that I was having breakfast. I was in the business world, and I was having breakfast mm. with another businessman, and he began to talk to me about how I could have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. And I was annoyed with him, like, why are you <laughs> telling me this? I'm, I'm a Christian. I go to church. After all, I'm an American. Doesn't that mm. make you a Christian? You know. <laughs> right. and, uh, and I just kept trying to convince him that I was a Christian. He wasn't being judgmental or condemning or anything. He was just talking to me as if he understood something I didn't know. Mm. And that morning, as we talked, there was just this moment of surrender where I said, Lord, I don't even know why I'm resisting against him. If I don't know you, I want to know you. Hmm. And I ask you to come into my life and take control. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead for my sins. Forgive my sins. Come in and take control. And when you Hmm. pray that for real, God does it. Yeah. And it was like scales fell off my eyes. Wow. And all of a sudden, the Bible came alive. Hmm. And we decided that we were going to read what the Bible said about marriage, and let's just try it and see if it works. Hmm. And amazingly, the more we did that, of course, we messed it up many, many times. Course, but the yeah. more we tried to do that, the more we did that, the more our relationship flourished. Wow. Wow. And then the kids started coming along, and we 
the same idea. Hey, God wrote a book about, I always smile when someone says, you know, they're in a book on parenting. And I'm thinking, yeah, God wrote a book. <laughs> he created marriage, he created family, and then he wrote a book. And uh, so we just tried to do that and our, our, mar- our marriage and our family just began to flourish the more we committed ourselves to the Lord. Wow. What a yeah. uh, revolutionary concept, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, we're we're breaking down the doors of Barnes and Noble and Books a Million trying to find self help. Yes, books. Mm-hmm. It's the largest yeah. yes. section in the bookstore, yes. in every bookstore, self help, and yeah. we have a resource that gives us all the wisdom and all everything that we could possibly need for life and godliness. For right. sure, in yeah. God's Word. What a what a cool yeah. thing! So you for guys sure. started jumping into that together, you and uh, right. your late wife Donna, and right. as you were growing your family. Um, things did not turn out necessarily the way that you had envisioned from the outset. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. Well, for one is uh, I was in the business world and I had huge dreams. Uh, You know, going to people say I'm going to succeed beyond my wildest dreams. Mm -hmm. For me, I don't even know if that was possible, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And so I'm just trying, I'm working hard, building our business and, um, uh, you know, buying fancy cars and houses and all the stuff that you think is going to matter, right. all the while knowing and walking with the Lord. So it's kind of an interesting yeah. combination when you get, you're really trying to serve the Lord, but you're really also buying into how the world defines success. Wow. Hmm. And each time we would have one of those accomplishments, there was just this thing in me that thought, that's not it. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. That didn't get it done. I'd buy nicer car than the one before and it mm. wasn't it didn't do it yeah and um but in um 1986 87 our business really began to crash and mm. we realized we're gonna have to sell our home and move into a rental house about that same time i wind up with um uh, uh melanoma cancer wow. Wow. and um i thought okay, the worst thing can happen is I can die and go be with Jesus, mm-hmm. and that's not terrible. And if I'm okay, which I didn't know at the time, but yeah, it turned out just fine. Um, but that wasn't the same for Donna. It really shook her world mm-hmm. to think that I could be out of here. Mm-hmm. So two tests, the loss of our business and then uh, my health came along, and that was in early 1988, really, when the, all of that came together. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in June of 1988, June 17th, 1988, um, Donna and I were out celebrating my 35th birthday. Mm. And when you have four kids at home, they were ages five, seven, nine, and 11, we had some friends from church keep our kids overnight, which if you have kids, you get what a treat that is to go back to your house with no kids there (laughs) one night, right? Yeah. And... uh, Celebrating, by the way, meant we went to dinner and went to a movie, and at ten fifteen at night we were on our way home. <laughs> and uh, <That's> about right, <laughs> yeah. We're we're uh, going up uh, Michigan Road up on the northwest side of Indianapolis, and uh, up north of the pyramids, if you know where that is, yeah. at one hundred and sixth Street at ten fifteen at night, and it was a beautiful night, starry night. Um, not much traffic on the road. And I remember having the thought, I need to kind of speed up a little bit mm. and because the speed limit was 50. And I remember speeding up to 50 miles an hour and uh, I didn't see him coming, but uh, a guy who obviously had to be drunk 
mm. came up from behind us at an incredible rate of speed. He was he was doing twice my speed at least. I didn't see him until I looked up in the rearview mirror when he was maybe 10 feet or less from my back bumper. Yeah. He tried to pass us on the right side. He clipped the right rear corner of my car and knocked it uncontrollably across the center line. And a young man and his buddy uh, coming south on uh, Michigan Road came right into Donna's door. Mm. And I remember this horrific crash and the whirling sensation, sensation hearing and feeling glass breaking. Mm. And when the car came to rest, my feet were over the front seat, tangled in the seat belt. My hips were in midair, and my shoulders and head were on the trunk of the car. Mm. I'd actually been pushed backwards through the back window. <sighs> and uh, I'm, I'm laying on the trunk looking up into a beautiful, clear June night. Mm. And the paramedic got in my ear right away. I cannot believe how quickly those guys got there. Mm. Those first responders are awesome. Yeah, they are. And uh, he, he was in my ear and he's saying, hang in there with us, hang in there with us. And I told him, don't worry about me, just take care of my wife. Mm. And he said, we're not worried about her, we're worried about you. Mm. And when he said that, I just knew Donna was gone. And I'd been walking with the Lord for a number of years. I was teaching Bible studies. I was leading a Sunday school class at our church. So I knew the Lord. Yeah. And I just cried out out loud, and I said, oh, God, no, this isn't happening. That was a prayer, by the way, right. as I was saying that. And I'm, I'm looking up into the sky as I'm saying that. And in the quietness of my heart, God asked me a question that changed my life. He said, do you really trust me mm. or do you just say you trust me? Mm. And I had a moment of decision. And I want to tell you, there was an instant where I thought, is there a better option here? Is there someone else that I can trust? Kind of reminded me of when Jesus asked, asked the disciples, when some of the people were leaving him, he said, or will you forsake me too? Mm. And Peter said, Lord, where will we go? You're the only one who has the words to eternal life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just remember saying, Lord, I choose to trust you. Mm. And the instant I said that in my heart to him, you know, I'm, he's talking to me in my heart and I'm talking to him. And the instant that I said that, uh, Romans 8.28 just flooded in my heart. And I kind of smile because that's kind of a cliche verse, you right. know? right. But my experience is that the cliche verses are some of the most powerful <laughs> That's right. when you're in the midst of life's biggest challenges. That's right. Yeah. They, they became a cliche verse for there's a reason. There's a reason. I was yeah. going to say there's a <laughs> reason sure. it's cliche. Yeah, yeah. And I, I say that tongue in cheek, yeah. saying the word cliche. Absolutely. Wow. So I, uh, I, I thought, okay, Lord, I got to see how you're going to work this together for good. Mm. That scripture says, I'm going to work it together. He will work it together for my individual good mm. and the good of my kids and family and so on. And so I thought, all right, Lord, I got to see how this is going to happen. Mm. I was hurt pretty bad. I was in ICU for a while. And uh, I remember the sheriff deputies coming into my ICU room the next day asking, we don't understand what happened. What happened? What? And I said, what happened to the guy that hit us? 
And he said, well, he was killed. Now, what he was talking about is the young man, fine young man that was driving the car, Mm -hmm. minding his own business, driving south. That's who they said. Mm -hmm. The driver, uh, Ryan, was killed. And I said, he said, well, he was killed. And I said, wow, he came up from behind me so fast. And the deputy said, you weren't hit from the back. You were hit from the side. And I said, oh, no, sir, I was not. And all of a sudden, a light went on. The, the deputies weren't there probably another 30 seconds. They knew they were looking now for a third mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. And the uh, driver of the car that caused the wreck fled the scene of the accident. Wow. And the deputies found him the next day at a body shop trying to destroy the evidence of the uh, car that he was in. And uh, he was arrested, of course, then. Wow. So um, let me just kind of pause right there and, and ask a couple questions um, before, we, before we move forward on that. Um, you, you experience this moment while you're looking up at the sky um, in the middle of this, the carnage of this crash where the, the Lord impressed on you, do you really trust me? Mm-hmm. You also referenced the fact that there were a couple of tests before all of this happened. Mm-hmm. I was really intrigued by the, your, the language you used with that test. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the benefits, again, of now, how this was back in 1986, so years, 88. Yeah. 88 mm-hmm. yeah, so what's the math on that? Come on, yeah. I'm an English guy. Was it 30 years ago? <laughs> 30 years. Yes. 30 year. years ago. Mm-hmm. This past June. Exactly, yeah, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now you're having the benefit of looking back and you're calling these, you're labeling these things tests mm-hmm. and you're also labeling this instance right here as another, it seems like, trust test. For sure. What What do you think God was testing in you in that? You know, and you and I have had this mm-hmm. conversation right. in regards to the tension between God allowing... Mm-hmm. God causing. Right. Talk to me a little bit about as you've developed some theology mm-hmm. and understanding in your relationship with the Lord of what was happening right there and the tension of God allowing this stuff to happen. How, how have you settled on that stuff? Yeah, for sure. Well, for a, for a young man to get drunk in the afternoon of Friday and to drive a car when he isn't in control of it, yeah. that's not God's plan or right. God's will. Right. But yet even that is within his control. Mm. And one of the things that I had to deal with early on is, Lord, you could have just breathed mm. and our cars would not have touched. Right. So Lord, I want to know what is it that you're, why, are you, why did you let this happen? What, what is your plan? What's going on here? And... Um, and what the scriptures tell us, James chapter one, which is another one of those cliche passages, is that we are to count it all joy when we fall into various trials, testing, mm. knowing that the testing of our faith produces a faith that sustains, mm. perseverance, a faith that's there in the dark and difficult times of life, yeah. a faith that you know will withstand the weight of any circumstance. Mm. And that that's what God is producing in us. He's producing character and strength, even though at the time we hate the test, Mm. we despise the test, we're upset with the test, we're even angry with God over allowing the test. And yet God knows what he's doing. Mm. 
to produce spiritual maturity that can withstand any circumstance of life. And then he tells us, he promises us in verse 5, which always gets ripped out of context. Yeah. James 1, 5 says, and if any of you lack wisdom concerning the testing. Yeah, wow. Right? In wow. the context. Mm -hmm. Let him ask of God who gives generously and will not withhold. Mm. And uh, I know that was one of the things God did. He was testing me, preparing me almost. The business failure was a test. Mm. I continued to walk with the Lord, and Donna and I were solid, and the kids were doing great, even mm. though the business was not where I wanted it to be by any means. Um, the health test mm. was easy for me. That might have been a harder test for Donna than for wow. me, because yeah. I really did think, okay, <laughs> whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. God, you got this. But the test of losing Donna was extremely personal to me. Mm -hmm. There's an old country song, Don't Touch the Girl. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, that song resonated with me. Lord, you know, she was... Lord, when I would turn everything over to God, you know what that's mm -hmm. like. You know, we right, do that many right. times. Lord, it's all yours. You can have it all. Honestly, he and I knew that deep in my heart was except Donna, don't touch her. Mm. Everything else you can have. I didn't say those words, but God and I knew. Yeah. I remember just shortly before Donna was killed, we were sitting in the living room one evening and I'm watching TV and she's reading a book. And I remember looking over at her book, looking over at her hand that was holding the back of her book. And I thought, Lord, I would give everything I have just for her hand, mm. much less all of her. Lord, I am the most blessed man on earth. Mm. So when it was Donna that God took, it was exceedingly personal. Mm. Job said, the thing I feared most has happened. Mm. And, and that was like, okay, God, I don't know if anyone else gets what I'm saying here, but Lord, you know what I'm saying. Right. Right. And Lord, that's not cool. Man. That's not okay with me that you would take Donna. Yeah. We were wrestling with this um, a couple weeks ago, and I was talking about a little bit about a theology of suffering to our church. Mm -hmm. So we're going through Acts. Right. And one of the things I felt like that God impressed in me as I was preparing for that is that we're always wanting God to intervene, right, in right. certain situations, whether mm -hmm. it's intervene where we want a miracle, you know, or a, or a breakthrough or something. But but we ask God to intervene or why didn't you intervene in situations like this? You know, you could have, you could have, mm -hmm. like you just said, you could have breathed and our car would have been just a, a hair or smidge right. over in a right. different lane. And uh, that would have never happened. Right. Why didn't you intervene? And one of the things I felt like God was impressing in me is that he does intervene, but mm -hmm. he doesn't always intervene to prevent. Right. He always intervenes to produce, mm -hmm. to produce something out of these faith tests. For sure. And maybe. I love yeah. the fact that, um, I love and hate the fact that you're calling these tests. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it because scripture calls it that. I hate right. it because personally I'm like, well, wait a minute, hold yeah. on a second. Who are you, God, that like you mm -hmm. test us? That seems a little bit evil and a little bit <laughs> like conniving and like, you know, and I think sometimes yeah. we can think that. Right. Oftentimes when we look at God and we look at God through a human perspective and go, wait a minute, this isn't right. How have you settled on that when it comes to the character and nature of God 30 years right. later? For sure. As you're 
still, you stayed faithful in serving the Lord. No doubt you had some really dark, deep questions. Mm -hmm. But as you were asking those questions, how have you settled on that when it comes to the loving, good character and nature of God? Absolutely. The um, walking through that, that time of not only unrelenting, horrific physical pain from mm. my injuries, yeah. and it wound up being some nerve pain that just 24-7, just horrific pain all the time. And then on top of that was the indescribable grief of grieving for the right. loss of my wife. Right. And God just continually showed up every mm. day mm. over and over again, even when, frankly, I didn't even want to hear from him or, <laughs> or think about him, he kept showing up. And I remember I was, I was just at breakfast this morning with some guys in a Bible study, and I was rehearsing this, kind of remembering this, that um, I was still in the hospital, and um, we, our, our neighborhood, we had some very close friends in our neighborhood, and their daughter and my daughters were very, still are today, very mm -hmm. close friends. And um, they came, the kids came into the hospital, into my hospital room. And I remember seeing Graham, he was five, and Rick was seven, and Sarah is nine, and Abby is 11. And they popped in just like that, mm -hmm. one after another. And then the next person was our neighbor, Renee. And it should have been Donna. Mm. And it wasn't, it was Renee. And that just overwhelmed me with grief. Mm. And I just began to sob. I couldn't help it. I didn't want to upset the kids, but I couldn't help it. I couldn't stop. And while I am having this indescribable grief, overwhelming grief that feels like you can't breathe, you can't get, mm -hmm. you can't make it another five minutes like that, you feel like you would die. Mm -hmm. That's how deep and horrific yep. it is. Yep. I also, at the same moment, had this inexpressible joy. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even know how to describe that yeah. unless you know the Lord in those kinds of situations. Then you go, oh, yeah, I experienced that. <laughs> Otherwise, people think you're crazy exactly. when you're talking about this. <laughs> this unbelievable grief and inexpressible joy at the same time. It's like, Lord, what is that? That is you. Mm. You are real. I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to think joyful thoughts while I'm grieving over my wife. I'm not trying to feel that or <laughs> somehow tap into something. It's you being there, proving yourself to me right. that you are real and that you're powerful and you're there. Right. We, we have referenced this before on the podcast, but it's just so worth referencing again with what you just said, that the scripture calls it a peace that passes all understanding yeah. yes. that guards your Absolutely. heart and mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not just... Other, it's not just like us not being able to understand it because that's true. We're like, I don't understand mm -hmm. this peace and this joy that I'm experiencing in the midst of this darkness. Mm -hmm. But clearly, too, the public, people outside of our own selves, they can't understand it. Right. And they mm -hmm. look and they go, I, that doesn't make any sense. Why mm -hmm. would they be responding in this way? And it's like, only Jesus. Yeah. And, and go ahead, babe. Well, and just to be totally raw and transparent, like, you know, as an Enneagram wing six, you're a skeptic of who the character of God is a lot. And you mm -hmm. question that a lot. Right. And even just hearing you, I mean, you can't see me here, but I'm just tearing up like crazy. Mm. Like, wow, God, like you took this man's wife and you took this, you know, these kids mother mm. and just the suffering they had to go through mm. all of that. Um, and it was neat because I've had a 
grieve in a weird way. Amanda passing, I never met her, but my son, that was his mom. You know, right. my husband, that was his wife. Mm-hmm. So I have to grieve it in a different way. And a lot of my friends, that was their best friend. And so um, one thing that someone told me, because we went to a birthday party for Evie Grace. She was turning two, mm-hmm. was it, for that birthday mm-hmm. party? And I stayed up till 3 a.m. just crying and grieving her and not understanding how I was grieving her so, you know, in such a drastic way. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to talk a lot to some friends. And one friend just told me, like, Christy, like, everything that comes to you goes through the Father's hands, Amen. good and bad. And so he knows, but in the same way, he will heal that. Yeah. And so I, they told me this verse in Job, it says, for he wounds, but he also binds up. Hmm. He injures, but his hands also heal. Mm-hmm. And the healing that you get from everything, it's just so different and you can't explain it to people and it sounds crazy. Yeah. But even just the healing that I've had to go through, just even a loss of my husband's wife mm-hmm. and my son's yes. mom. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, you know, I felt the same way. And I mean, I've, I've known the story for 30 years or more and I still tear up when he talks about it. Mm. And I still grieve the loss of uh, my, my kid's mom as well. Mm. And, um, and see where, you know, um, just the struggle that her family can have at times. And uh, they've been just more than generous and loving and kind to me and our son together. He's like a grandson to them, but there's still a grief there Mm. and there's still a knowing and there's still a missing. And just because I grieve for Gary's wife um, and the loss of her and the loss of the kid's mom, that doesn't negate my relationship with them. Mm. Because if, if, that didn't happen. God had big plans for me that would have been different. Yeah. And I believe in a God like that. Um, this didn't have to happen for me to have the life that I have mm-hmm. to have, that I have now, that I enjoy. Um, uh, God would have had bigger things and and it would have been different because yeah. that's the kind of God that we, that we serve well, and I, trust in. I imagine what you're saying is that sometimes... Uh, guilt can almost creep into your your mind and your heart when it comes to wait. The fact that I'm here represents yeah. the fact that like Donna's gone, Pretty you know. Permanent. And so there, that, mm-hmm. I imagine that because I know that Christy's experienced some of that and she's had to wrestle through some of that as well. Um, and and what you're saying is that it doesn't negate it. Um, in fact, I also think that the grief that you two have walked through enhances the relationship that you have with your kids and enhances the relationship that you have with your husband. Because if Christy was not walking through any kind of grief for Amanda, that's a part of her, a part of me that she would not be able to understand. Right. Right. God's given her in grace. I feel Mm -hmm. like God's given her grief. Mm -hmm. You know, she's like, I don't want this. I'm like, (laughs) I love that you feel this way. You know, like there's something so beautiful about that. It's like, I can share this with you now. I don't have to like have a compartment of my life. Mm-hmm. Because marriage is not having a compartment of your life. Well, that you exactly. Withhold, you know? And I, I know people uh, that are close to me that have, um, there have been deaths and um, a second spouse or whatever, and just they they feel like they cannot talk mm. about um, about the their lost loved one because it it creates jealousy mm. and all sorts of things. And so, so you know, kids struggle with that. Um, mm-hmm. it's just been a very difficult thing to watch 
that happen. And it's like I, the understanding isn't there and the, the chaos that that creates within yeah. the family yeah. and the hurt. Well, and I always said to people, because they've asked me, like, it has to be so hard to hear about her all the time or that you guys talk about the story all the time. And I said, actually, I don't know if it should be, but I guess God has just covered me in grace mm-hmm. with that because it's not at all. I never right. struggle with that. But I was like, if I told Davey, hey, I don't want you to talk about your late wife. I don't want you to talk about Amanda. Then I wouldn't know a third of his life. Right. And that's that's who my husband is. Mm -hmm. And she like helped him to become the man that he is today. And so I love the fact that we talk about Amanda. And I also want my son to know about his mom. And so he wouldn't know about his mom if we don't talk about her. So important. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, I'll tell stories about Donna that Gary doesn't remember Mm -hmm. because I've heard these stories over the years. And I, I want the kids to know and to remember. And, um, you know, over the years, the kids will forget, uh, when things happen, it's, you know, did it happen when, you know, when Donna was there or when I was there? And, mm. and that's just really cool to see that, you know, happen with them because they were older, right. yeah. obviously, than, than your son. Um, so they have more concrete memories um, that, that they can, that, that will keep them um, as they grow older. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you're making memories for your son. That's yeah. really cool. And that's it's an important thing to do. All right. I think so that, oh, hold on real quick because I we wanna I'm gonna di- I wanna dive like crazy into this here in just a second. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that we like are not quite there yet. And so I wanna reference back a little bit something that you guys already started talking about, and then we're gonna catch up, catch the listener up to mm-hmm. the point that you know you met Kathy and how this started to blend because I mm-hmm. think that we have a lot of great conversation that can come out of this. But one of the things you you guys just referenced is this idea of 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 harming or hurting. You said it in, in Job, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's a hurting, but a binding up. And, and I, I think it's one of the best metaphors I can think of is cause I was a baseball player, you know, growing up and through college and, and pitchers uh, would joke around that if they got Tommy John surgery, they'd be better. Mm-hmm. You know, they they would throw faster. They would, you know, if they uh-huh. got that cause mm-hmm. they're UCL, is it right? Uh-huh. PA yeah. UCL is torn or something. I and then Tommy John surgery. <laughs> and so you would have a pitcher who would get hurt. They would tear their UCL or whatever in their, in their elbow. They would, they would get Tommy John surgery and come back from their recovery even stronger. But a surgeon had to cut in and, and harm or, or wound Mm-hmm. in order to bind up. Right. And and I think that right there is the biggest thing when it comes to how God interacts and intervenes with us in regards to our trials in our faith mm-hmm. is that he will sometimes in right. his love and in his foresight, yes. in his providence, he will cut, he will wound, he mm-hmm. will test mm-hmm. um, and allow these tests to come into our life so that when he heals, he binds up, it actually we're coming back stronger. Right. And we're mm-hmm. more ready for um, life and for the battle and to impact other people. Right. And so as you're walking, like what did the what did the recovery process look like for you? For sure. And and kind of walk us through that mm-hmm. in regards to your relationship with your kids and then and then go ahead and move into how you met Kathy and right. how all yeah. that began to transpire. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, I had two recoveries. First was a physical one. Right. And then secondly, what much more difficult was the emotional and spiritual Mm. uh, component. The physical part was challenging. It was difficult, a lot of pain. Um, uh, And some of people that have been injured badly or been very sick, they understand what I'm saying when I say um, 
it is an extremely energy draining thing to get well physically. Mm. And it, it takes enormous amounts of emotional energy. That seems silly because you're just laying there in a bed, <laughs> but it just does. Yeah. And some of that, spending so much energy trying to get well physically, pushed off or even delayed some of the grief. Mm. And so as I started to get well physically, that grief rushed back in like a, like a, a huge mm. weight. And it really began to... Uh, attack me and and I struggled a lot with the grief and by then you're kind of past a couple of the stages of the grief and you're kind of to that point where you're just, I was just mad mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how to say it I was I loved God and was really angry with mm-hmm. him at the same time mm-hmm. and he would show up and provide grace and gentleness and love. And then a little while later, I'm kind of railing at him and angry <laughs> with him. And I was in his face. Mm. And Job became my friend. When One day when we get to heaven, I cannot <laughs> wait to meet Job. He's my friend. I know him. That's right. And on every page... I was page, about to tell you, get in line, take yes, a number. Yes. For sure, I know. <laughs> yes. Here we go. Yes. He's going to be yeah. busy. That's right. Yeah. But uh, that, that is such an incredible book. I, matter of fact, I believe that book alone is enough to prove that humans can't write yeah. God's word. Mm-hmm. There's no way you could cover all of the little nuances mm-hmm. of emotion that he covered in that. I can read virtually every verse and I go, oh, I know what that feels mm-hmm. like. I know what that feels like. I know what he means here. I get what he's saying there. And one of the things Job did is he really got in God's face. Hmm. And I was in God's face. And I was telling, I remember one time, for instance, I told him, I said, God, I can feel that you're in power. Forgive me that I can't even believe he let me say these things, right? <laughs> he loves me. Yeah. He gets it. But I'd say, I'm, I can tell you're in control. Oh, man, your power, it's obvious. But I don't feel your love. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just... I thought, there, trump card. (laughs) And I remember just quietly in my heart, God said, I'm sorry you don't feel my love, but I demonstrated my love to you in that while you were yet a sinner, Mm -hmm. my son died for you. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I remember him saying that to me, and I went, "Uh, never mind. (laughs) My my bad, right? I mean, it's just cool how God would let me rail on him. Right. We had that process of, of walking through that also had um, a lot of Christians saying a lot of really unhelpful things, Mm. trying to be helpful. So all kinds of grace on that. I'm not trying to pick, but they would say things like, here's one that just drove me. Donna's in a better place. Absolutely true and completely not helpful. (laughs) Right? Mm-hmm. No, I, like, what am I supposed to say when you say that? Oh, well, okay, then I'm not grieving anymore. You know, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> yeah, silly right. the way it's said. Other things like that. Here's one of the things I had some friends, like Job's friends, who tried to accuse me that God was bringing discipline for something in my life. Wow. Mm. And by the way, I believe there are two, for a Christian, mm two different options for negative circumstances in your life. Hmm. One is testing and the other is discipline. Yeah. And early on, 
I went through that with the Lord. Like, is this discipline? Mm. I didn't know of anything. And really quickly, it was like God says, oh, so you think I kill mm. people to discipline you? That's how we do that? Mm. And I thought, oh, Lord, that's not discipline. That's terrible. <laughs> the, yeah. the, uh, forgive me for even thinking that. So, okay, but it is a test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and when we think of test, we think like, oh, that's not fair. That's mean. What's well, like if you're a teacher and you love your students and you want them to succeed, you mm. have to give them tests. It, it helps them learn the material. Yeah. Not because you're mean or evil or... No, there might have been a couple right. of mean teachers <laughs> through the years, but 99.9% right. of all teachers w- want their students to learn, and they know they have to give them a test. Yeah. That's what God is doing. Yeah. And so it's from his love and for his care about confirming and establishing us right. that he continues to test. I believe it's Isaiah 44, maybe, that says, and the teacher will show you the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's how he shows us, yeah. is by, by testing us, mm-hmm. showing sure. us and instructing us. But that still didn't make it easy. And as I'm walking through that time, I am, an, I am upset with God continually yeah. and cried out to him over and over again and accused him of all kinds of unfairness. What I was doing is because I had been walking with him for a while and I knew some scripture, mm-hmm. I tried to use God's word against him. <laughs> like I'm debating him and he's going to, like I checkmate him yeah. and he'll say, okay, and I'll fix it, yeah. right? You know, mm-hmm. right. And I mean, I speak as a fool when I say that, <laughs> but that's kind of what I was, and I used to tease that I knew too much scripture. So I was, again, I'm saying that as a fool, you understand, but, but like I would try to argue with God and debate and very much like Job did, trying to justify that I am being unfairly persecuted. Mm. I am being unfairly tested. And and God was extremely quiet through that because mm. really what I was asking is this. Why did you let this happen mm. to me? Mm-hmm. Do you understand that's not a question? That's an accusation of evil. Mm-hmm. Why did you let this happen to me is really... God, this is unfair and you're wrong. You need to just repent of the wrong you have done me Hmm. and make it right. Mm -hmm. By the way, if we stop and think, how could he have made it right? The only way is bringing Donna back from the dead. Yeah. Hmm. That's kind of, when you think about it like that, it's, it's, Ridiculous? Do you, do you, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Yes. But, but you don't. You're in the midst of the pain. You can't think that way. And so I just kept asking that question, and I got extremely depressed. Probably, I, I should have had help. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I had friends, a couple of friends in particular, who really would let me process with them, mm-hmm. and were incredible, godly counsel that mm-hmm. would let me. You said raw. This is mm-hmm, exactly absolutely. the way to describe it. Right. I would come over to their house, this one friend in particular. I'd come over to his house. Steve would fix me lunch, and I would throw up on his table with all the <laughs> stuff that I was struggling with. Yeah. And he would just sit there calmly. He didn't try to fix. Mm. He just would listen and encourage. And then when I got a little too crazy, he just kind of bumped me back toward the middle, <laughs> you know, spiritually. <laughs> And oh, it was amazing to have a friend like that. Yeah. But I went through a time where 
I remember the alarm would go off in the morning. I have four kids to take care of, mm. get them off how, to school. How old were they at the time? Well, now they're, they're, they were five, seven, nine, and 11. Wow. When, at the time uh, of the accident. Time. So yeah. Uh, yeah, at the time of the accident. It's so a little bad. So, so I've been that next school year. They were all school in year. school. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, kindergarten, uh, yeah. first, fourth, and sixth grade. Wow. That year. Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to get them up for school, and the alarm would go off, and my first thought was, Oh, I didn't die in the middle of the night, mm, bummer. Yeah. And I would lay there and say, Lord, I can't do this. I cannot do it another day. I can't make it. And the Lord would say something like, well, do you think you could get a shower? Mm. Now, this sounds silly. <laughs> I'm just telling you. <laughs> this is, yeah. This and is I would it. go, okay, I think I can take a shower. And I'd get done with my shower and I'd be like, Lord, I can't do it. Well, do you think you could get breakfast? Mm. Okay, I can fix breakfast for the kids. Do you think you can get them to school? Do you think you can make it till noon? Mm. Do you think you can make it until work is over? I'm talking about little segments wow. of goals wow. each day, every day. And then Christians would say, oh, cheer up. It'll get better. Mm. Months from now, you'll be better. And I'd hyperventilate like, I don't know if I can make it till noon. And you're talking about next month. Yeah. It would, I mean, it would just like overwhelm me. And I did that day after day after day walking mm. through that darkness, mm. reading the scripture. And I remember one day I'm preparing a lesson to teach for my Sunday school class, which was a couple Sunday school class. Mm -hmm. And I'm going as wow. a widower now yeah, right. to lead this Sunday school class. And it was in Exodus 16, verses six and seven. Mm. And it said, it's, it's Moses is with the children of Israel. They're complaining, we're going to die. And God says to Moses to tell the children of Israel... In the evening, remember that it's the Lord your God that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Mm. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord. Wow. And God just taught me in that moment, in the darkest night times of life, mm. don't look forward, look back mm -hmm. and rehearse and remember all the past yeah. times God was faithful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing you need to know at night is there is a morning coming yeah. when you will see the glory of the Lord. Wow. And um, Kathy wow. is my morning. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so walking through that time was just a horrific time. Mm. I'm trying to be a dad. I'm not doing very well because I am so hurting that I can't be there for my kids like I wanted to be. I wish I would have been better at helping them in their hurt um, a couple of the kids kind of hold up. Mm. They just kind of build up walls. And, um, but our daughter, Sarah, just kind of just waded right into the hurt mm. mm -hmm. and had to verbally process everything she was feeling. And so I would spend hours with her talking. She talked to other friends, my sister, family members, other people, and she would process for hours. And she's the one that remembers Donna the best. Wow. And Rick, especially, she herself and he would tell this story. So I'm not mm -hmm. speaking out of school. Both of yeah, them would. Right. Rick kind of build up a wall and just hold up, so he would forget. Mm. And Abby, our oldest daughter, did the same thing, and and they have they've talked about that a lot. Yeah. So again, I'm not speaking out of school. Right. Graham was kind of too young. He's he's five, so he's just kind of being a kid, you know. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't quite as the same with him. Mm. But that was a horrific time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, walking through that. So one day I'm driving around 465 
I could take you to the spot in the road. Hmm. And Charles Stanley comes on his radio program on Christian radio here in Indianapolis. And I'm driving around and he says, today we're going to talk about how we profit from suffering. Hmm. I thought, I got to listen to this. So I turn it up after the little commercial or whatever, you know, he starts. And he said, well, the first thing I want to tell you about suffering is not everyone profits from suffering. Hmm. Many people waste their suffering. Hmm. And Davey, I'm not kidding. I almost wrecked the car. Hmm. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. That hit me so hard to think I've got the most precious thing in my life invested in this suffering. Mm. Lord, I don't want to waste anything. I want to learn everything. I want to learn so much from this that I test out of the next course. (laughs) I want to get a PhD on this course. This is too... Oh, man, the thought that I could waste, and I realized at the time I was wasting my suffering because mm. I kept asking God, why did you let this happen to me? And so he began to teach, and he took several great passages and, mm. and unpacked them, and, and he said, you have to ask, why did you let this happen to me? Mm. And I realized that's a completely different question. Mm. It's the same words, right. completely different question. Yeah. Not, why did you let this happen to me? But, Lord, okay, what, why did you let this happen to me? What is it you want to produce in my character mm-hmm. that you have allowed this circumstance, this suffering? That is the question of James 1.5. Mm. And as I was driving around 465 on the east side, going southbound at I-70, mm. so I'm not making this up, <laughs> When the Lord, I asked him that question for real as I was listening to Charles Stanley, and rushing into my heart was, I have good for you. I'm going to use this pain so that you can be a help and a blessing to others. I'm going to use everything you felt to be Mm. a help and ministry and Mm. service to others. And I'm going to establish you and make you firm because of this experience. And it was like... Whoa, I asked that question, and I got to live James 1.5. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. He flooded my heart, overwhelming, and will not withhold, it says, you know? Yep, yep. And wow, what an answer to that. Yeah. You, you, got, you have been living then, First Peter 5, of the idea of after you suffer for a little while, he mm-hmm. himself yes. will comfort, um, establish, yep. and make firm your feet, yes. restore, yes. make firm your feet. Um, what an incredible thing. So here's what we're going to mm-hmm. do because we are out of time for this episode. We're going to come back and do a second part because holy cow, we got to dive into this like blending family conversation because I know especially these gals have a lot to say about <laughs> yes. it. And we have a lot of families who are walking through parenting just in general, but we mm-hmm. want to make sure that we talk about all of the things that you guys have learned as you're stepping in, Kathy, to be a mom to these mm-hmm. kids and a wife. Uh, to Gary. So you guys make sure you join us next time on the Nothing is Wasted podcast.
That was such a fun oh, interview with man. the four of you. I'm telling you, it's mm. so fun to have my wife on there. I know. I was getting ready to say, anytime that Christy's on the podcast, it's just a joy. It is a joy. And so many people have asked if she's going to be on the podcast more. Yes, at some point. We probably will. Boom. We'll talk about that some more. Boomski. Uh, Boom shakalaka. <laughs> I used to say boomski boom all the goes time. The Why dynamite. was that? Oh my gosh. Boom goes the dynamite. You got any more booms over there? Boom, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we have part two of this interview coming out. And the cool thing is. Yes. Can you drum roll? Oh. Boom shakalaka. <laughs> you don't have to wait until for two weeks until this right. episode comes out. We're why? Actually, why is that? I'll, let me tell you why. Tell I'm going to tell you why. why. Let me, I'm going to tell you, you why. I'm telling you right now. Here it is. It's coming. Ready? We're releasing a bonus episode next Thursday. Woo! What? Mind blown. Boomski. Boomski. <laughs> yes. So in summation of all these weird things that we just said, um, if you guys want more information um, about Gary and Kathy, um, you can go to the podcast page at davyblackburn.com slash podcast. Stay tuned because we have an oh, awesome bonus episode, bonus episode coming out in only seven days. Oh, my gosh. Mm. It's going to be awesome. Oh, my kids would correct me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Hopefully, they're not listeners of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Yeah, hopefully their not. Daddy just, hey, we want to thank <laughs> Ryan O'Neill, Sleeping At Last, for providing the music. Download his music anywhere. Music can be streamed or downloaded. And... Take a listen to this teaser clip from the next part of the interview with Gary and Kathy Stump. You kind of put the, like you're hard on yourself. You want to be the best mom right. or the best dad. Mm. And when you feel like you're not doing the right thing, you're like, well, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I get this down? And one of my friends just told me she's blending families too. And, and she just said, Chrissy, like someone who adopted a kid told me it takes about five years. Like as wow. weird as that sounds, it takes just time. So whether it's five years, four years, three years, mm -hmm. whatever, right. it just takes time. And so just know that it's not going to come naturally. You're not going to be able to to, to go where mm. God wants you to go in it. But like, if you just give yourself grace and time, mm -hmm. you'll see that it changes things. I, I struggled with a lot of guilt. And um, I came from my um, family growing up was based on guilt. So mm. I struggled with that. And I, you know, I would have people ask me to speak and to do different things. It's like, oh, I just screamed at the kids all the way to school. I, <laughs> I, am, I am not who you think I am. Oh, There's man. no way I can do this. Mm -hmm. And, and as I'm just struggling through these things, I, I began to realize, and just the other day I was reading the scripture, I'm not sure where, it's like my desire is to serve God. My desire is to love these kids. My desire is to do it right. Mm. So even though I mess up, even though I've screamed and whatever I've done and, and said things I wish I could take back, my desire was is for their good. And my desire is to serve God and my desire mm. is for the right thing. And I think, you know, I think the kids could look back as adults and they could, they could, they could have um, taken things that were said and done mm. and they could have grabbed onto them and harbored them and let them fester. Or they, I think what they have done to God's grace and, and just so kind to me is they've, they've, um, grasped the desire that I had mm. and that came through through all of the craziness um, <laughs> that desire that they knew that I wanted the best for them and that mm. I prayed the best for them